All right, we'll say good morning, good morning, let us begin, begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of ER, Stephen Terizin, for dedicating all of the Sherman's Rushos this month in honor of their newest grandson, Matan Shmuel Aaron. We hope down the merit of our Talmud Torah. He will grow to be an incredible mentor at Mev Esm Shanim Tovos. And to thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin, in memory of Akiva Fogel, Zichron Livracha, Akiva Ben Chaim Baruch, Zichron Livracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. With that, let us begin the beautiful, beautiful Daf ahead of us today. <coughs> Excuse me. Today's Daf is Mem Aleph 41. And we are picking up a Merit Sashem on Mem Amud Bey's 40B. Just to reorient ourselves a little bit. If you remember again, we left off yesterday with the incredible Mishnah detailing the Kriyasa Torah, the Torah reading for Yom Kippur. And again, the various processes involved, including the handing of the Torah to multiple people, as well as the actual reading, the sections that the Kohen Gadol read, and then ultimately, again, the brachos recited by the Kohen Gadol himself. So we are picking up Emir Sashem Memam with Bey's 40B, and we left off with Kohen Gadol Omeit Umekabel, which is two, four, six, seven lines up from the bottom on 40B. Says the Gemara, Omeid, so the Kohen Gadol, Omeid Umekabel Vakore. The Kohen Gadol goes ahead and is standing. And ultimately, again, he receives the Torah, and then he goes ahead and he reads it. Omeid Mechlad Yosheid. Now, the fact that the Mishnah says that he stands indicates to us that he was initially sitting, and now he stood up. I, Vahamar Mar, En Yeshiva Ba'azar Al Malchi Beis Davagobad. I, but we learned that the only people who are permitted to sit in the Azara are Davidic kings. So how is the Kohen Gadol permitted to sit in the Beis HaMikdash area? Ultimately, again, where is this process? Where is this taking place? This is this, now the Gemara calls the Ezra's Nashim, women's section. The Bible says, what's the Ezra's Nashim? That's the Azara, that's the courtyard. So remember again, that's the primary courtyard you walk into when you enter into the Beis HaMikdash compound, where ultimately, again, the four chambers in each corner. If you keep going, you go through Sharnikanar into what we'll call the Beis HaMikdash area proper. So where is all of this taking place? It's taking place in the Ezra's Nashim. And the Ezra's Nashim seat sitting is permitted. Ha'chanayi Ezra's Nashim. So they say, is that true? Where does the Kohen Gadol do the Kriya? Ultimately, again, in the Azara, in the courtyard. Top of, top of Mem Aleph. So i say, so bottom line, the Gemara explains that where does the Kriya Satora on Yom Kippur take place? It takes place on the Ezra's Noshim, the women's section. What we colloquially call the Azara. The courtyard. I will say, so just, so just for clarification purposes, there are effectively two courtyards in the Beis HaMikdash. The courtyard we thought we were referring to is the courtyard you would enter into, let's say if you go through Sharnikanar, if you go up the steps, go through Sharnikanar, go down the steps, what are you looking at right in front of you? The Mizbeach. The Mizbeach. Right, that's where the Duchen is, where the, where the, where the Kohanim would go out in Duchen, right? Levine would, Levine would sing. So we originally thought that Kriyastar is taking place in that courtyard. Kamash Mulan says, no, Kriyastar is taking place in the first courtyard, what we'll call the outer courtyard, 
also known as the Ezra's Noshim, the women's section. Good. Okay. Sorry, I just went blank there for a second. Okay. Good. So singing more as follows. We'll say top of Mem Aleph. So the Kore Achare Mos Viach Basa. So remember again, the Mishnah then said, Kohen reads three different sections. First, he reads Parshas Achremos. Then he goes ahead and goes to the section of Ach Asar, which also details the sacrificial avoda of Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, Ramini, Medal just to be clear, just to be clear, the sections of Achremos, right? The sections of Achremos and Ach Asar are not contiguous, which means that the Kohen Gadol is skipping, right? He's skipping in the Torah to get to, from one section to another. I, but we learned that you are permitted to skip in Novi, but you're not permitted to skip in Torah. In other words, that when going ahead and reading the Torah, Kriyasa Torah, you're not permitted to skip. Am Rabbi Lokasha, it's not a contradiction. Kan Well, this is actually very interesting. When do we say, when do we say that you can't stop? Shabbos so say, so you, I'm sorry, you can't skip. You can't skip if there's going to be a lull. So for example, remember again, the coin, coin God would read, and the Torgamon, the Torgamon would go ahead and explain and translate. So you can skip in the Torah as long as you can get to what we'll call your second destination before the Torgamon finishes explaining. But if it's going to take you more time to get to your second destination, and the Torgamon is going to already be finished, that creates a tircha de tzibura, an unnecessary lull and, and, and just hardship for the tzibur, and therefore one will not be permitted to do that. So the Gemara says, I, we learned, but we learned that you could skip in Navi, you can't skip in Torah, and how much can you skip in Navi? So you could skip from one section to another section in Navi as long as you get to your second destination before the Torgamon finishes his explanation. What do we infer from that? Michlal, Torah klal, klal, lo. What I can infer from that, we'll say, is in Torah, you can't skip at all. Torah, you can't skip at all. Am Rabbi Lokashia, kan be'inyon echad, kan b'shnei inyonim. So we'll say, it's very interesting. When are you not allowed to skip in Torah? You can't go from one topic to another. But you can skip from one section to another section, provided that they are in the same topic. I, but we learned, I, but we learned again. So the truth is, this is not a question. Now this Bryce says, supports what we just said. Bryce says, In Torah, you can skip from one section to another, provided that what? You stay on topic. You stay on topic. In Navi, you can skip from one section to another, even if you're going from one topic to another. You could only skip from one section to another, provided that you can get to your second destination before the Torgamon, before the tra- translator or explainer finishes his explanation and translation. But you cannot skip from one Navi. Like, you can't skip from Yoshua to Shoftim. Right? You can't skip from one Navi to another Navi. But in Trey Asar, we'll call it the 12, right? the 12 smaller prophets, Middalgin. You're permitted to skip even from one Navi to another Navi. Provided that you don't skip 
from the beginning of Treyasar until the end of Treyasar. So I will say, so bottom line, what's, what's the takeaway over here? The takeaway over here is that, yes, when the Kohen Gadol would read on, on Yom Kippur, he would skip. He would skip from one section to another. Aye, but how are you allowed to do that? Number one, same topic. What's the topic? What's the topic? Yom Kippur, good, not a true question, right? Yom Kippur, that's number one. And number two, he was able to get from section A to section B before the Torgamon finished his explanation. Good. That's how Kohen Gadol was able to skip. Beautiful. So remember again, I will say, after the Kohen Gadol finished, after he finished, ultimately again, reading in, uh, in, in Achremos, and then Ach Ba'asar, then he would roll it up, and he would go ahead and, right, he would read another, he would read another section, Baal Peh, and he would say, Yosem Mima, there's more, more that is written, there's more in here than what I read to you. Why do you have to go through this whole process? In order that one should not come to disparage the Torah, thinking that there are sections that are missing. So, we'll say, so since he's reading something by heart, remember again, why is he reading the third section by heart? So really because it's going to take too long to roll to it. So therefore he has to almost like make like the disclaimer. The disclaimer is, guys, just realize everything I'm reading to you is written in here. Right? Don't think that I'm reading this last section, Baal Peh, because it's not written here. Chas Shalom. It's in here. It's in here. Just, it would be a tircha de tzibur. It would be an unnecessary drain or unnecessary annoyance. Annoyance is the wrong word. Tircha. Unnecessary inconvenience. Inconvenience for the tzibur for me to start rolling this. Let's say, by the way, you know how this is, right? Right? When Kriyasa Torah comes, if the Torah is open to the wrong spot and they have to and they have to and they have to roll it, right? Come on, what's going through your mind? What's going through your mind? Come on, man, get your act together, right? Gabai, come on. What, what have you been doing, right? Where, 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 where's everyone over here, right? right what, 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 what have you been doing, right? Where, 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 where have you been? Where have you been? Now, <laughs> and by the way, often that's just like three seconds, right? Or even by the way, even sometimes on the balcony, because sometimes it happens. Let's say earlier, you know, uses the Torah. So by the time they open up, right, and the balcony is moving. Again, there's, there's an annoy. It's so funny, like how human nature is. Like, like, I feel like this sense of resentment building up inside of me. Why, why does someone not take care of this ahead of time? So the Mesa, again, that's Tircha de Tzibura. Tircha de Tzibura just means you don't want to inconvenience the Tzibur. So we'll say that's how the coin goes over Zidalpe. Incredible. The Lichrechel the safer of a Likri. So we'll say, so same idea. So why don't we just roll? I don't know. What's the big deal? Just roll. It's Yom Kippur. We'll say, here's the thing with Yom Kippur. Right, here's the thing with Yom Kippur. I always say this every year. Where are you going anyway? Right? Where, where are you going? Right? There's not like a variety of activities planned for Yom Kippur that you're going to be late for something. So the Maisa, just go ahead and let them roll the safer. What's the big deal? To which the Gemara says, I'm not going to buy you. That was the first wide line. We do not roll Sifre Torah in Shul. Or, or B'tzibor, in front of the congregation. So I'll say, it's actually an interesting halacha that there's a con- there is a concept of tircha de tzibura, of inconveniencing the tzibor, and therefore, again, we don't roll sifrei Torah in tzibor. Now, obviously, what that means is to the degree that one can be proactive and ensure that the sefer Torah is exactly where it needs to be before they open it up, that is ideal. 
That is ideal. So therefore, we're not going to start having the Kohen Gadol rolling the Sefer Torah while there are thousands of people standing right there. Amra from the I just do want to point out this something very interesting. Remember, you'll ask yourself, thousands of people by Yom Kippur. So remember again, there is no mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel by Yom Kippur. Right? So what, what is everybody doing there? So if you remember back to Mesechus Yuma, the Gemara said, before the sun would even come up on Yom Kippur, the Azar, the courtyard, was already packed with people. So I'll say, so just why, now why were there people there? Why? They wanted to see the Kohen Gadol. They wanted to see the Kohen Gadol. So we'll say, so again, to experience Yom Kippur in the base of It's not a mitzvah. You don't have to be there. But the truth is, where else would you want to be on Yom Kippur other than the epicenter of tshuva and the epicenter of slicha v'chapar, the epicenter of forgiveness, not just for all of Kal Yisrael, but for all humanity. An incredible, incredible idea. In any event, so the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Sefer Torah, Rina. Oh, so another suggestion. Take out a second Sefer. What's, like, what's the big deal over here? Just read the first two sections from one Sefer, because you can roll that pretty quickly, and just read the third section from a, from a second Sefer. What's the big deal? So Amar, so Gemara says, so Rabbi Yehuda, so sorry, Rafuna Bar Yehuda Amar, Mishum Pegama Shalrishon. What are we concerned about? We're concerned, we'll say that if you bring a Sefer Torah, second Sefer, what are people going to assume? Right? There's something wrong with the first. I'll say, by the way, I just want to point out something absolutely amazing. What do you see from this Gemara? People's default reaction is that if they see something out of the norm, there must be something wrong with this thing. Right? And I will say, it's true, it's not just with Sefer Torah that people think this, it's with other people that we think this as well. Right? Something happens or some, someone, some, something occurs that I don't understand or it doesn't fully fit into a construct of the way that I live. Oh, what's wrong with that person? Right? What's wrong with that situation? What, <coughs> in this case, what's wrong with that Torah? Rish Lakish says it's because it generates a bracha unnecessary bracha. Because if we go ahead and we bring a second safer, you then have to make a second bracha. But remember again, I will say it's not like we're giving Aliyah sad over here. Who's making the bracha? The Kohen Gadol. But they already made a bracha on the first safer. So bringing a second safer creates another situation for an unnecessary bracha. One second. The first reason we say you don't bring a second safer is because we're concerned that it reflects poor, poorly on Sefer number one. People will think that this, this third parsha is missing from the first Sefer. So is that true? They were concerned about that? When Rosh Chodesh, <coughs> excuse me, when Rosh Chodesh Teves falls on Shabbos, I will say, Rosh Chodesh Teves is always Hanukkah. Rosh Chodesh Teves that falls on Shabbos, so I will say, what do we do? Maybe Shalosh Toros. We take out three Sefer Torah. The Kore Achas Min Yom. One is the Parsha Sashavua. The Achas Rosh Chodesh. One is Rosh Chodesh. The Achas Bishal Chanukah. And one is Chanukah. So I will say, you see, when we don't say, ah, but you're going to take out three Sfarim, People are going to think that the first one is missing something. To which the Gemara says, Tlasa Gavri B'Tlasa Sifri Leka Pagama. Chad Gavra betray Sifri Ike Pagama. We'll say, you're right. When you have three different alios, three different alios, there's no concern of Pagam. Since essentially each, each Kriya is self-contained and each Aliyah is self-contained, people will understand what's happening over here. 
What's the concern over here by Yom Kippur and the Beis HaMikdash? There's one person. So with one person, then we get a bit more concerned. That if you go from Sefer to Sefer, it can chas v'shalom look like there's something missing in Sefer number one. Incredible. So therefore, I will say, therefore, bottom line, remember, that's why you understand the practice. So first two sections, which are in close proximity to each other, and you could roll quickly to, to, to Kriya number two. Before the Torgaman finishes explaining Kriya number one, great, you can read that out of the same Sefer. After that, Kriya number three is already too far. Kohen Gadol rolls it up, right? Goes ahead and says, makes a disclaimer, Chevra. Everything is written in here. Everything is written here. He then proceeds to read the third section, Baal Peh. To read the third section by heart. Incredible. Says the Gemara, So I say, ultimately again, so they make, Kohen Gadol makes the bracha on the Torah in the same way that we generally make brachos in Shul. So I say, what are the brachos? That the coin God will make. We, we saw the Rashi made reference to this. Al ha'avoda, a bracha about sacrificial service. Al oda, a bracha of gratitude. Al mechilas avon, a bracha regarding forgiveness of sin. Kitik, sorry, kitiknon. Al mikdash bifne atzmo, we go and we make a bracha about the base of mikdash. The al kohanim bifne atzmo, the kohanim get their own bracha. Al yisrael bifne atzmo, al kalad yisrael. The al yirushalayim bifne atzmo. So we'll say again, this is the seder brachos. We didn't go through it, but Rashi in the Mishnah, Rashi in the Mishnah actually gives you the text for all of these brachos as well. Beautiful. Tan Rabbanon. So this is very beautiful. Tan Rabbanon. Hashar, Tfila, Trina, Rina, Ubakasha. Supposed to listen to this. After the Kohen Gadol goes ahead and finishes, finishes everything. I'm sorry, the two, I forgot the cite. The citation from the Mishnah is, Vashar, Tfila. And so, let's say, so what's interesting is as follows. How do you translate that phrase? Hashar tefila. So Rashi says, Hashar tefila, rina bakasha. Look at Rashi. Almost right across in Rashi. Hashar tefila. Zohi shish bracha achos. Ubo tefila, trina, rina bakasha shamcha. So we'll say, this is actually very interesting. So the Gemara says over here, after the Kohen Gadol finishes reciting these brachos that we just mentioned, there's one last bracha that encompasses all of these other elements. What are the other elements? Tefillah, prayer. Trina, supplication. Rina, joy or joyous praise. Bakasha, requests. Sha'amcha Yisrael tzrichen libasheya. And we'll say that's a phrase that's put in because Klal Yisrael, your nation, needs salvation. The Chosein bishomea tefillah. And we'll say afterwards, afterwards, they close out that last bracha, which is, a, which is really, which is a tefillah, an all-encompassing prayer, with the phrase, or with the concluding phrase, Shomei Tefillah Hashem, you are the one who hears all prayer. Incredible. We'll say, so that is the end, right? That, that's the end of the Kohen Gadol's Kriya, so to speak. So it says the Gemara. So we'll say, what happens afterwards? What happens afterwards? This is so interesting. Afterwards, everyone brings their own Sefer Torah, the Korebo, and they read their Sefer. They read their Sefer. The Kolkach Lama, and we'll say, what, what is that? In other words, what, what, why is it that everybody's bringing their own Sefer Torah and reading their Sefer in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdosh? Kedei Laharos Chazus Rabin. In order to show the beauty of their Sefer to the general public. General public. And we'll say, what's going on over here? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, "Mikan ve'eluch, 
after the Kohen Gadol finishes his Kriya, so now he's read all three sections, he said the Brachos, ultimately, everyone brings a Sefer Torah from their own home to the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, Tekasavar, Ein Erevot Tzaviyom Kippurim, Inami Yushalayim Daltosenu Ulos Balayla, Oma Arvin Eskula. So I'll say Rashi's just getting into the technical issue over here <coughs> about how you carry a Sefer Torah from your home to the Beis HaMikdash. One of two possibilities, either that the Tan of the Mishnah holds that the concept of carrying of Hotzah does not apply on Yom Kippur, or possibility number two is that Yushalayim is considered to be an enclosed area, and therefore by definition you can carry. In any event, so after the Kohen Lodl finishes his Kriya, everyone brings their own Sefer Torah. And why are we doing this? Rashi says, Laharos Chazuso, Shal Sefer Torah, Venuyav, Tamar Mar, Zekili Vanbeu, so we'll say, why are people bringing their Sefer Torah? To show the beauty of their Sefer. Right? I'm showing off a little bit in a, in a healthy way. Right? Look at the beautiful Sefer Torah that I have. Why I will say, so what's, what's the element of having, or what's the, what's the mitzvah of having a beautiful Sefer Torah? It's ultimately, again, Zekeli Va'anbehu. Beautification, right? Hidra mitzvah. Hidr mitzvah. So I will say, so I'm trying to show that not only do I fulfill the mitzvahs, but I fulfill the mitzvahs in a beautiful way. And I will say, what does this have to do with Yom Kippur? What does this have to do with Yom Kippur, right? Why, why is this happening over here? So I will say, it teaches us a tremendous, tremendous lesson. Yom Kippur is all about slicha bechapara, right? Yom Kippur is about atonement. On Yom Kippur, we are confident that we've been atoned for, that we've been forgiven. So we'll say Yom Kippur is not only the closeout of the previous year, but what? Effectively, it's also the clean slate in the beginning, first day, so to speak, of the year ahead. Rosh Hashanah is the first day, but Lamaise Yom Kippur is the day when my slate is clean and I start again. We'll say, what is the key to spiritual success? So the truth is, there's not one answer. There's not one answer. But on Yom Kippur, what seems to be happening over here is Hidr Mitzvah. We'll say, what does Hidr Mitzvah represent? Hidr Mitzvah represents going above and beyond. It means not just living life, being satisfied with the actual technical fulfillment of my obligations, but it means going above and beyond in my Yiddishkeit. It's what Ramchal calls being a chassid. What does it mean to be a chassid? A chassid says, a chassid is a hidr mitzvah Jew. A chassid says, I know what my obligations are, but I'm not satisfied with simply fulfilling obligations. I'm not satisfied with simply getting by. I'm not satisfied with simply being in the right. I want to push myself above and beyond. I want to be a hidr mitzvah Jew. I want to be the kind of person who does everything, not just enough, again, to satisfy an obligation, but in a beautiful, loving, self-actualizing way. That's why the Sifrei Torah coming out, ultimately, again, into the Azorah. Because the beautiful Sefer Torah is one of the greatest manifestations and physical embodiments of Hidr Mitzvah. And the secret to success, I will say, in our Yiddishkeit is to be a Hidr Mitzvah Chosid type of personality. A person who is not content with simply getting by, but a person who wants to push himself to constantly do more. Incredible. I will say, that's the end of the sugya. New Mishnah. New Mishnah. Parashas HaMelech Ketzas. I will say, so now... Once we started talking about Torah readings, 
that are occurring in the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash. So there's another one. Parashas Samelech. I will say now, what's Parashas Samelech? What's the section of the king? Here we go. Ketzad. Matzi Yom Tavarishon Shalchag Bishmini. The Matzi Shvi. So I will say, it's actually interesting. So on the after the first day of Sukkot, first day. So I will say, remember again, after the first day of Sukkot, which in Eretz Yisrael is now what? The first night of Chalamid. First night of Chalamid, right? Shalchag of Sukkot, Bishmini. We'll see what Bishmini means in just a moment. This is on the Sukkot right after the Shemitah year. The Shemitah year. So, right after the Shemitah year, Bazara, they will make a large platform of wood in the courtyard of the base of Mikdash. And the king would go ahead and sit on this platform. So what would happen? So the chazan, who's the chazan? Chazan is the shamas. He's the logistics guy in the base of Mikdash. He would take the sefer and give it to the rosh. Who's the rosh? The rosh ultimately again is the gabai. Is the gabai. The rosh haknesses. No scan. The Rosh ultimately yeah, will give it to the scan. The scan is the assistant coin goggle. Vaskan. Vaskan. No snow coin goggle. The scan would ultimately give it to the coin goggle. And then the coin goggle, no snow melech. Coin goggle will give it to the king. Va melech omeit umekabel. Omeit umekabel. The kore yoshet. Both say, so literally what this means is the king receives it. Omeit, he stands up, receives the Torah. And he reads sitting down. He reads sitting down. Okay? So the Gemara says, well, so this is what we call, this is what we call Hakel. Hakel. The mitzvah that the king has to gather the people together on the first night of Chalamai, second night of Sukkis. In the Sukkis following the Shemitah year. And this was the process. This was the process. So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, Agrippas HaMelech. So King Agrippas, who is King Agrippas? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says it's the third to la- it's the third to last short line. Agrippas Melech Melech Israhaya. He was a Jewish king. Mizaro Shel Hordus. He was a descendant of Herod. Descendant of Herod. Now say Agrippas is the king during whose reign or I'm sorry. Agrippas was the king. Who he was the Agrippas was the king who during his reign the second base Hamikdash was destroyed. He was the sitting monarch when the second base Hamikdash was destroyed. He was a descendant of Herod. This is very important. Who was Herod? Who was Herod? Herod was an Eved. Right? Herod, Herod was an Eved Kenani. He was a non-Jewish slave to the Hashmonai family. Herod essentially led a revolt against the Hashmonaim. Remember, you remember the story. He wiped out the entire Hashmonai family, save one girl. Why one girl? Why one woman? He wanted to marry her. So remember again, the Gemara records the story. She goes up to the rooftop of the home, of her home, and she will not marry him. And she cries out. She says, from this point, I am the last remaining member of the Hashmonai family. From the, anyone from this point forward who ever claims that he is a descendant of the Hashmonai family is a slave. And she throws herself to her death. So this, this was the story of Herod. I, so, we'll say, so remember again, Evakinani, so Agrippas, 
that is a descendant of Herod. So now watch this story. Watch this story. Agrippa Samelech, Amad, Vikibel, Vikara, Omed. So we'll say Agrippas, Agrippas, who, who, by the way, Agrippas was a great man. He was a great man. So Agrippas, when he would receive the Torah, he would remain standing and read the Torah. So we'll say, remember again, even though we just said before that normally, the king stands to receive the Torah and then what? And can then sit to read it. Agrippas chose to remain standing when reading the Torah. When reading the Torah. And ultimately, again, the Chachamim praised him for this because they felt that it was just an incredible display of Kavarat. Even though he could have sat down, it was an incredible display of Kavarat Torah that he chose to remain standing. Let's listen to this. But when he got to the, when Agrippas got to the section that said, you may not place upon you a foreign man, an alien man. I will say what this means is, a king has to be a descendant of David HaMelech, right? The Torah doesn't say that, but Lamai say again, we know that, well, the Torah says the king has to be from Shevet Yehuda, and the king cannot be a convert. The king cannot be a convert, or for that matter, a descendant of converts. So we'll say, so now Agrippas reads this Pasuk, Ultimately, again, you cannot place an alien man upon you. So we'll say, what did Agrippas just, what did he just read? What did he just read? He just read his own disqualification. And we'll say, remember again, Tulsus discusses this, that it could be that Agrippas, that Agrippa, we want to be clear, we're not doubting that Agrippas was Jewish, because it's quite possible, again, that Lamaisa, again, his mother was Jewish, right? His mother, his mother, we'll see, his mother was Jewish. I shouldn't say that as a possibility. His mother was Jewish. The issue just is on his father's side. He has Eved Kenani blood going through him. As a result, ultimately, he is not fit for the monarchy. See, he reads this Pasuk, listen to the, listen to the reaction. The Gemara says, Zogloin of Demos. His eyes filled with tears. Because Agrippas was a good guy. He was a good man. His eyes filled with tears, recognizing that he was really unfit for the monarchy. Amrullah, they said to him, Atisyari Agrippas, Agrippas, do not fear. Do not fear. You are a brother. Right? So let's say you are a brother, you are a brother. So they tried to make Agrippas feel better. Okay, we'll discuss that story in just a little bit. We'll say these are all the sections you read. From the beginning of Chumash Devarim until Shema, then you read again Shema, Vayayim Shema, Aser to Aser, Ki Sechala, the section of the king, Brachos and Klavos, blessing and curses, Ad Shegomer Kola Parsha, Kola Parsha, Brachos, sorry, Ad Shegomer Kola Parsha. So you finish the entire section. So I'll say that's all the Kriyas. So, Brachos. Shekoin Gadol Mevarich Osan. The same Brachos that the Kohen Gadol made on Yom Kippur. So, Mevarich Osan. So, Hamelech Mevarich Osan. The king makes these very same Brachos. Ela, Shenosin Shalagolim, Tachas Michila Sa'avon. The only difference is, whereas the Kohen Gadol speaks about, speaks about forgiveness of sin, the, the king just adds in a reference to the Yom Tiv of Sukkis. Beautiful. So, I'll say, this is the Mishnah of Hakel. There it is. So it says the Gemara, Bishmini. They will say, here's the problem. The Mishnah says, when did all of this occur? Matzei Yom Tev Harishon. After the first day of Yom Tev, Bishmini, on the eighth. They will say, what does the eighth mean? 
So the Gemara first thing means the eighth day. If it was the eighth day, so the Gemara says eighth day. can't be the eighth day because it says that what? You read it on Masa Yom Tov of the first day. So the Gemara says, It means when? On the eighth year. I will say, what's the eighth year? The eighth year is the first year after Shemitah cycle. So I will say, now here's what's interesting is there are many different ways, right? The Torah uses many different words and the Mishnah uses many different words to describe the day on which we go ahead and do Hakel. Why all of the indicators or why all of the descriptors to which the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, why do I need all of these descriptions? Rashi says over here, Tzrichi, Kala Siman in Halalu, Miketz Shnas Hashmita, Bechagasukos Ramoes. Well, so right, it tries to tell me that it's at the end, it's Matzi Shmita, Matzi Shmita, on Sukkis, on the day. So why do you need all these indicators? Because of Rachman and Miketz, if it would have just said at the end, Havamina Nimnumehashta, I would have thought that Allah Chalamaisa, we begin to count from now, i.e., even from Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Because of Rachman Shmita, if we would have just said Shmita, have me in the Shmita. I would have thought maybe this takes place at the end of the Shmita year. Because of Rachman Abemoid, therefore it says on Sukkis. Because because of Abemoid, if we would have said on Sukkis, have me in the Reish Shasa. Out of maybe the beginning of the year. Because of Rachman Abemoid, the because of Rachman Abemoid, we would have just said Chagasukos. Have me in the Yomt of Acharon. I would have thought maybe even the end of Sukkis. When all of Kalal Yisrael comes on the days at the beginning of the Yantiv. Incredible. Fine. So, so therefore, again, I need all of those descriptors to explain to me that when, when is all of this occurring? On Matzeh, the first day of Yantiv. On Matzeh, the first day. So second night of Sukkis, first night of Chalamayv on the eighth year, which is the first year after the Shemitah year. Incredible. The Chazan HaKnesses, So remember again, we said before the process, the Chazan gives it to the Rosh, the Rosh gives it to the Skan, Skan gives it to the Koen Godel, Koen Godel gives it to the Melech. Says the Gemara, what do you see from here? Shamas mina cholkin kavod latamid b'makomara. What's the same Gemara we had before? What do you see from here? See that you can give kavod to the student in the presence of the Rebbe. In other words, you're being mechabed all of these people in the presence of the king. So what do you see? You see that halachalamaisa you can give you can give kavod to the student in the presence of the Rebbe. To which the Gemara says, Amra baye kulamishim kavod hamalach. Ultimately, again, all of it, all of it is out of deference to the king. So it was incredible. So all of it is out of deference to the king. To which the Gemara says, V'amelech omer l'mekabel v'kori v'yoshev agribas ha'melech amad v'kibel v'kara omed. So it was remember again, the Gemara said that the king would stand up, the king would stand up and ultimately again receive the Torah. Then he would sit down and read. Agrippas is something a little bit different. Agrippas stood to receive the Torah and remained standing while he read. To which the Gemara says, one second, Omeid Mechlal Yoshim. That was the fact that it says that the king stood up in order to receive the Torah indicates to us what? That what? That he was originally sitting. But how could he be sitting? But how was he sitting? I was we learned that only Devaic kings could sit inside of the Azara, sitting there before, inside of the Azara, 
It's very fascinating. In both of these Gemaras, both by the Kohen Godlam and by, and by the king, by Hakel, the Havamina is where is all of this taking place in what we'll call the interior courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. Kamash Malon, where is it taking place? In the Ezra's Nashim, the exterior courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, where Yeshiva, where sitting is absolutely permitted. Incredible. The Shabchu Chachamim. And I will say again, the Chachamim praised the Chachamim praised the Gribas. What are they praising for? For standing during, Kriyas, during the Kriyasa Torah. Shabchu Michlal the Shapir Avid. I will say here's what's interesting. The fact that they praised him indicates to us what? That what Agrippas did was good. But is that true? Hamravashi, we'll say get ready for this. I will say, this is a fascinating idea, right? There are certain positions in life that come with covenant, that come with honor. And there's certain honor which could be forgiven, right? But there's other honor which cannot be forgiven. So for example, I will say, for example, a parent could be mochal on their covenant. I will say, we know this, you know, Mikra Din, when a parent walks in the room, a child is supposed to stand up. Yet very often children don't do that. So what's the pshat? Is it because children aren't respectful? So first of all, it's good. It happens to be, I will say, it happens to be. See, parents sometimes think that it is awkward to go ahead and teach their children about COVID. Because, again, because it feels like self-serving. It's not. If you don't teach your children about how to give COVID, so where are they going to learn it from? Where are they going to learn it from? I will say, again, it's a general idea that I spoke about this last week, that people think that the primary source of chinuch is a yeshiva or a school. It's not true. The primary source of chinuch is the home. Is the home. Schools, yeshivas, day schools, they partner with parents. It's not parents partnering with schools. It's schools partnering with parents. Primary chinuch. So I'll say, but yet, the Archa brings down, I, very often children don't stand up when their parents come into their room. So Archa says, there's an assumed mechila. Assumed forgiveness. That parents forgive that, that level of kava. They don't, they don't, right? They, I, I'm, 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 I'm mochalon, mochalon. So there's certain forms of kava you can be mochalon, and other forms of kava that you can't be mochalon. The reason you can't, the reason you can't forgive it is because it's not your kava to forgive. So, for example, Tamit cannot forgive certain elements of his covenant. A king is not permitted to be mochel on his covenant. Why? Because the covenant doesn't belong to him. The covenant belongs to the office. Right? The covenant belongs to the position. And because of that, it's not yours to forgive. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. If the king is supposed to sit, the king is supposed to sit when he's reading, then sit. And Agrippas, what right do you have to be mochal on the cover of the monarchy? We'll say for a mitzvah it's different. For a mitzvah it's different. And therefore really what Agrippas is doing over here is he's giving cover to the Torah. So giving cover to the Torah, giving cover to the mitzvah, giving cover to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is permitted. That type of mechilo is absolutely permitted. Beautiful. Okay, we'll say, so now, this is an incredible gemara. So remember again, so what happened? Agrippas is reading, part of the reading for Hakel is the section of the king. Section of the king. So in the section of the king, what does it say? Som tasim alecha melech mikerev achecha. 
place upon yourselves a king from the midst of your brethren. Which means, the king can't be a convert, the king can't be a former of a Kenani. The king has to be, has to, again, compounded. The king has to be from Shevet Yehuda. So Agrippas reads this, Zogu in of Dima, and he becomes very emotional. Agrippas was a good man. Agrippas was a righteous man. So what did, what, was it? what did he essentially just read? What did he read? What did he read? He essentially read that he's disqualified. I will say, which by the way also tells something amazing. That clearly kings at a certain point during Jewish history were incredibly ignorant. Right? How do you know this? Agrippas, you never saw this Pasek? It's a Pasek in Chumash. This is not like a section of Zohar. Right? This is not a Rishon Bayochai. So again, it's a Pasek in Chumash. So you never saw this? It just gives you a window. It gives you a window into what was happening towards the end of the second temple era. And I both say, with all of that, with all of that, Agrippas was a good king. I, I just want to be clear. Agrippas was a good king. But just, you see the level of, of ignorance that was clearly in effect during this era. I also remember again, this was the same era where they were going through Kohana and Gedolim like no one's business, right? Not going to live past the Yom Kippur because he went in and he simply did not come out. This is when the Yushami says he used to begin to tie ropes around the ankle or the waist of the Kohen Gadol because he died inside and the only way to retrieve his body was to drag him out. So it just gives you a window into what was happening then. So Agrippas gets very emotional because he just read about his own disqualification. There was, and I remember again, what was the reaction of the Chachamim? What did the Chacham say? Don't worry, we're good, we're good. You're our brother, you're our brother. They both say, here's what's incredible. Right or wrong? Right or wrong reaction? Right or wrong reaction? Wrong reaction. You know why? It's false. I was like, it's false. In other words, no. Agrippus was right that his eyes went ahead and, and swelled up with tears. And the truth is, again, now what should have happened? Should he have abdicated? You know, what, what should have occurred? I don't know. But Lamaisa, one thing is clear, which is, for Chazal to play, for the rabbis, to come to placate him and say, no, don't worry about it. Achinu ata, achinu ata. You're our brother, you're our brother. say, is it beautiful to tell another Yid that he's your brother? Absolutely. But, but that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is, Agrippos, you satisfy the criteria of the Pasek. The Pasek says, Som tasim alecha melech mikerev achecha. Agrippos is saying, I don't satisfy the criteria. The Chum say, sure you do. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Let's look what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, Ba'osa shah in that moment, in that moment, when the Chum said, Achenu nischaibu soni yisra That's when our fate was sealed for the Beis HaMikdash to be destroyed. Shechnifu lo la Agrippas. They will say because they engaged in Chanifa. They flattered Agrippas. They said what they said in order to engage in flattery because they wanted to find favor with the king. By the way, is that not an absolutely incredible idea? Which is also say another Yisod. Sometimes, I'll say, and this, this is a very delicate thing to say, but sometimes when people feel bad about something that they did, so we think that our job is to go and say, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We'll say sometimes when someone feels bad about something that they did, your job is to say, yeah, you really messed up. Now, don't say it like that. Don't say it like that. But, but sometimes making someone think that they didn't do anything wrong in the midst of having done something wrong is a disservice to the individual. 
Right? Because sometimes when we fail in life, what we need is someone to tell us, you really messed up, but let's figure out how to fix this. But simply kind of like whitewashing everything and pretending like there's not a problem is a disservice to the individual. See, I was saying, this whole thing was a disservice because now Agrippas is holding on to a position that he should not have had. And not just that, in the effort to placate, that just sealed the fate of Claudius for destruction. It's a really incredible Yisod. Let's say, you know, <laughs> we have to get back to this. We are so uncomfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Right? So therefore, again, whenever we're in a state of discomfort, right, the, what's the goal? What's the goal? Get out of the uncomfortable situation as quickly as you can. So say whatever you have to say. It's okay. It's okay. No, sometimes you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because more often than not, great things come from uncomfortable situations. So avoid the tendency. Just say, oh, it's okay. Let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable so we can do some real work in life. But instead, they just placated him. Now, the Gemara understands that the pla- placation, placation, is that a word? Why not? It sounds good, right? The placation of Agrippas ultimately, again, was a form of flattery. They wanted something from him. So the Gemara supposed to listen to this. As we'll say, from the day that literally, again, the fist of flattery became strong. So judges stopped judging things correctly. Right? So judgments became perverted. Actions became undone. And one person was unable to say to his friend, I am greater than you. In other words, I will say, so what ends up happening with flattery? I will say, what happens with flattery? Flattery, the, the lines between right and wrong are totally blurred. Because you'll say, what's the whole cap of flattery? The whole cap of flattery is to make a person feel good about themselves even if they don't deserve it, and to justify actions that are really unjustifiable. So the moment that flattery came in, everything becomes undone. Judgment becomes undone. Maisim, right? Maisim, tovim become undone. Everything becomes undone. Ultimately, I will say that it's very interesting. Very interesting, I will say. So, by the way, I'll also point out to you, Rashi says, what's the meaning in the I'll say, what, what does it mean when it says, when a person says, my act, a person, once there was Hanifa, once there was flattery, a person can no longer say, my actions are greater than your actions. So Rashi says, since Rashi says, the result of flattery, no one ever objected to sinful behavior. We'll say, you know, with flattery, what happens with flattery? Everything is okay. Everything is okay. And I will say, we, see, we, we totally see this contemporarily, right? I will say, right, you're not allowed to judge anyone anymore, right? You're not allowed to say, you're not allowed to say something's wrong. So if anything, everything is beautiful. Oh, wow, you, you, you did this? You, 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 you think like this, you decided, oh, so beautiful. So I will say, so what happens when everything's beautiful? What, say, what happens when everything is beautiful? Everything becomes ugly, right? That, when everything is beautiful, then nothing is beautiful. And ultimately, again, the very moral fiber of society begins to disintegrate. So I'll say, that's the power of Hanifa. You know that, or that's the destructive power of Hanifa. So the Gemara goes right there. There was an exception to this. So you are permitted to flatter the wicked in this world. Now I will say, 
five minutes to the Shinemar, Lo Yikra Ogli Nabal Nadib, Ula Kili Lo Yomar Shal, Nikhrabda Ba Olam Azeshar. So also, the Pazak's talking about that in the future, in Olam Haba, right, in the Messianic era, we're not going to have to, we're not going to have to praise the wicked. So what do you infer from that? That here, you do praise the wicked. They will say, why would you praise the wicked? Because in this world, Rabbi says, sometimes you have to do what you have to do in order not to provoke people that have the capability to harm you. I was about to say, this world sometimes is about navigating all different kinds of complex situations. And sometimes in the navigation of the complex, a person has to say things to certain people in order that they not be provoked. So therefore, the Gemara says, if you need to go ahead and flatter the wicked, one is permitted to do that in order to avoid provocation. Incredible. So this is very interesting. So Rish Lakish says, you want to know the makar, that you're allowed to flatter the wicked in order not to provoke them. I said, what's the makar? The makar is Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav, what does Yaakov Avinu do? Yaakov flatters, he flatters Esav. What does he say to Esav? Oh, seeing you, kiros right? Seeing you is like seeing the image of God. So he's seeing an angelic image. Right? So Gemara says, Levi. So Rabbi Levi says, no, no, no. When Yaakov, when Yaakov says that to Esav, he is not going ahead and, and flattering him. Rather, what is he doing? To what can the story of Yaakov and Esav be compared? Well, listen to this. It can be compared to a friend who invites his friend over. And the host realizes that the friend wants to kill him. They're probably not such great friends. But, but, but right? So the host recognizes the friend who wants to kill him. So what happens? Amarlo, first wide line, Tam Tav The host says to his friend, Oh, friend, you need to taste this dish. Right? Tam Tav This dish, it tastes just like that dish I had in the house of the king. Amar Yadale Malka, Ultimately, again, so that friend hears, oh, well, if my host knows what the dishes in the king's house taste like, that must mean what? That he has a connection to the monarchy. If he has a connection to the monarchy, I probably should not kill him. So, so too, again, when Yaakov says to Esau, seeing your face like the face of an angel, Esau says, wow, Yaakov sees angels, I probably should leave him alone. So we'll stop over here for today. Tremendous, 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 tremendous sugya. We're not finished. We'll continue with the sugya of Hanifa tomorrow. We'll say, Shkoyach and a lichtika lag moment. Right, everyone, have a great day, everyone.